Hello and welcome to episode 22 of the Story Not Forgotten podcast. We're brought to you by Capturing Legacies, because everyone has a story to tell and it's time to tell yours. Visit capturinglegacies.com to get started. My name is Liam Rathgaber, partner and anthologist with Capturing Legacies, as well as your host. And joining me today is the founder of a fascinating nonprofit called Leftovers, Lourdes Juan. Lourdes, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Well, because we do what we do without any ado, just tell us a story. Sounds good. So, um, the Leftovers Foundation started uh, five years ago, back in 2012. Uh, I was sort of the fateful night I was picking up or helping my cousin pick up um, from Cobb's Bread. Mm-hmm. And Cobb's is an interesting uh, restaurant or it's interesting bakery, pardon me. They they have an end of day giving program because they don't sell any day old bread. So they donate all of their bread at the end of the day to local charities. So my cousin was there picking up for his church, but it turns out um, there was 200 pounds of bread for us <laughs> to pick up that night. Certainly too much for his church. They just have a small freezer. So um, we put it into the back of my uh, car and uh, we took it to the drop-in center. We took the rest of it to the drop-in center. When we were at the drop-in center, the gentleman, uh, you know, asked, or the gentleman came to meet us at the loading dock and I said, you know, I was feeling pretty good about myself. Can Mm -hmm. I donate this food? (laughs) And I said, oh, I hope this lasts you, you know, the next couple weeks. And you know, he looked at me um, pretty shocked and he said, this is going to last until tomorrow lunch. We serve 3,000 meals a day. Yeah. And it was sort of my eyes were like, you know, I was just doe-eyed. It was like a deer in headlights <laughs> trying to figure out, you know, one agency serves 3,000 meals a day. There's obviously other agencies in Calgary. What do they do for food? Um, what do other um, bakeries do with their waste? And so I went home that night and really, really dug deep and did a lot of research on food waste and what they call food insecurity. And through that research, um, the Leftovers Foundation was born. (laughs) Um, So I had brought on, I'm a a local um, business owner, and so I had known other local business owners, just different coffee shops, and I'm always in there. It was my office at the time, five years ago, various coffee shops around Calgary, and I um, just remember talking to a lot of the um, owners, saying, what what do you do with your baked goods at the end of the day? What do you do with expired coffee, your coffee that's near expired, and can I have it? Um, and this turned into you know, me calling places like Starbucks and more Cobb's Bread locations just to see if you know, we could take on their food and just redirect it to other agencies. We're not an agency ourselves. Um, we are a registered nonprofit, but we don't hold any of the food. So five years ago, we were just redirection, going from one place to the next. Um, And now in 2017, um, I believe we have over 55 vendors that donate uh, to the program in Calgary and Edmonton. Uh, We work with 34 different service agencies and they range everywhere from the drop-in center who we Mm -hmm. still work with to the Dream Center, which is a rehabilitation and uh, transient housing for for, uh, people in Calgary. Uh, we work with the Calgary Women's Emergency Shelter, the Alpha House, um, Boys and Girls Club, you name it. We're kind of, you know, anyone that has programming and that can use food for their programming, 
we make sure that we can provide them with what they need. Um, so it's a bit of an operations game, just getting food from one vendor and bringing it to the service agency and making sure that that food is being used at the agency. Um, we've grown a lot in the last five years. So it used to be myself um, and, and uh, my cousin would help me when he could. Um, and it was sort of friends and family, you know, when it started and then it just grew into, I think, between Calgary and Edmonton now, we just opened up operations in Edmonton. We have over 200 volunteers. That's great. Um, yeah, it's really, really fun. And they everybody just signs in online. So the entire volunteer schedule is posted online. If you have 20 minutes you know, to 45 minutes, you can volunteer over a lunch hour for leftovers. Mm -hmm. um, and it's very simple just to bring food from one place to the next. And we try to make volunteering as easy as possible. Um, it's, it's shocking to, to kind of know, and you know, when you dig deeper with these issues, um, we waste 40% of food in Canada, which is about $31 billion. Yeah, food waste, if you, if you look into the statistics of it, the, the numbers that come up are absolutely shocking. Yeah, uh, the amount standing. of food that people are, they're spending their, their hard-earned money on this food, and then almost half just basically goes away. Absolutely, yeah. So we waste, so the most wasteful place, so food waste happens from production, so mm -hmm. at the farm level, to transport, to retail, to our own dinner tables. The most waste happens at home. That's 47% of food waste happens in our own home. So, you know, if you think about um, how much you waste at home, um, how much you waste at a restaurant, and you sort of calculate everything, we're wasting a lot of food and you're right, like our hard earned money goes into that. I saw the statistic one time that said, you know, we waste 25% of the food that we bring home. So that is like carrying four grocery bags and dropping one in the parking lot and leaving it there. And just not bothering <laughs> not to pick it up. Not going back to get it. I mean, that's a, that's a lot of food and that goes to the landfill. Um, and in the landfill, food or organics emit methane gas, which is 25 times more powerful than CO2. Mm -hmm. And so when we really look at these statistics, we need to figure out a way to, to do better. Um, and the Leftovers Foundation is a very small portion of that. Um, we do not advocate for you know, serving waste to a marginalized population. That's definitely not what we're about. The food that we pick up, if you take a look at our website or our, um, any of our social media feeds, we pick up this food when it is fresh, perishable, and ready to eat. Nothing is moldy, nothing, nothing is expired. Mm -hmm. It's just ready to go. And we just make sure it gets from one place to the next. Um, so, so this $31 billion number, I've, I've read a report that says that number, so that's an annual number that we waste in Canada, that number doesn't include institutional waste, and that waste can can grow into hundred hundreds of billions of dollars, and that's you know waste from schools, hospitals, prisons, and the like. Um, and when you look at all of that, and then you look at you know the world in a global scale, we have countries that um, cannot feed themselves. It's appalling. Mm -hmm. This should not be a problem. So um, it really. I guess gets me pretty fired up to kind of work on this problem, even just in Calgary, because there's so many Calgarians that that need our help. Well, you're saying just how many meals the uh, the drop-in center alone is serving. It's 
it's a major problem. Absolutely, and that number increases when the weather um, gets bad, mm-hmm. when, the, when the snowfall comes, when the winter comes, when the minus 40 comes. These shelters are serving you know, 25-30% more than what they normally do. And um, they should be spending money on their programming and not food, especially when next door we're throwing stuff away. Yeah. So, so that's kind of you know our rationale, and uh, that's why I started leftovers. Um, if you, if you look at sort of in food insecurity, which is you know basically defined as a household. If you ever, if you live in a food insecure household, you're making some pretty tough decisions. You're trying to figure out or, or trying to decide whether you should feed your children or feed yourself. If you should pay rent or feed your kids. Mm-hmm. If you should feed yourself or pay the electricity bill. And that's a harsh reality for Calgarians. Um, I think in Alberta, the number of food insecure households is 164,000, which is, is, is pretty sad. Um, and again, especially when, you know, next door we're throwing out perfectly good food. Um, so this is sort of where the Leftovers Foundation comes in. We see this surplus, this excess of waste of food and you know we see this food insecurity and, and a hunger and demand for food um, and we've been trying to um, one do the redirection which i think is an important immediate need um, it it sort of is a band-aid solution in the sense that i hope we're not redirecting food in in so many years i hope we have found um, you know more dignified ways to um, help food insecure households but this is our right now solution. This is our immediate need. What Leftovers um, continues to work on, besides the redirection piece, is an advocacy piece. So we try to work as much as possible with the media, with our blog, with telling stories, with our social media, that we need to keep food waste top of mind. We need to be thinking about this every single day, every single time we sit down, order food, every time we buy groceries. Um, we're sort of incentivized to buy bulk. Um, mm-hmm. We're incentivized to buy a lot of things because it's cheaper um, and a lot of perishable things. And we sometimes don't think twice about throwing things in the garbage or in the compost. Um, and I think that that's a mentality that the Leftovers Foundation really wants to work to change. It's going to be a huge mental shift, but it's the right thing to do. Um, the third thing that the Leftovers Foundation is kind of dabbling in is policy work. Um, we've done some work with the School of Public Policy at the University of Calgary, and we're really trying to figure out at what level of government do these you know, innovative food policies come into play. In places like France, I think Germany, and um, I know there's um, zero waste grocery stores in Montreal and Vancouver, Mm -hmm. but in Europe, what they've adopted is models and policy where grocery stores cannot throw away food. They must donate it. So how do we take those best practice Um, examples and bring them into into Canada and bring them into Calgary and and I don't know where it starts is that municipal provincial or federal but it's certainly something that we want to advocate for um, because food just shouldn't go to waste well would it have to be done at the government level or would it be better to talk to somebody from co-op or Sobeys or what have you because if if I heard that there was a grocery store in my area that had 
adopted that sort of policy, mm-hmm. it would incentivize me as a consumer to go there because they're they are giving back and they are. You know, more of a uh, of a moral company. Yeah, I think at this point it has to happen from um, all levels, so from community and from government. I think Leftovers has gotten so much support and it's grown so much because of community. We can't do it without 200 volunteers, 55, mm-hmm. you know, owners of businesses that say yes, please take my excess. Um, and it can't happen without service agencies saying, yes, we're going to curate our programs to the food that you bring, or we need this. And just working together as a community is how things have been getting done with leftovers. But I do think that there needs to be some type of regulatory framework on food waste. I think a lot of the larger um, grocery stores and chains have this you know, notion that there's this liability around donated food. Um, But the way I like to describe it is, you know, we are taking groceries and we are bringing them no further than 20 minutes to a service agency. It's like I would be bringing groceries home. Mm -hmm. It'd be like me commuting from my grocery store to my house. There's no liability in doing that. Um, We do that, you know, two, three times a week bringing groceries home. Why is it different when we bring groceries home? to a service agency, um, especially if you know we are regulating that they are not expired, really good um, nutritious food, um, and and we have sort of all our operations in intact for for what we do. So I think it's I think it does have to happen from all levels, but certainly from the community is where it starts. Mm-hmm. Well, and when they're worried about the liability, I think there's still that mindset of. Well, you're taking the spoiled food and, and bringing it to a, mo- a marginalized community. And it's shaking them of that. And it's it's not, you know, th- this is starting to grow hair and blink at me. Throw that out. That's not food anymore. <laughs> exactly. But when, but when you're rotating your stock yeah. and, and it's still good, it's just from a, a marketing and a... Uh, sort of a, a frontage and display idea, they always want to have the freshest stuff displayed. Mm-hmm. So things that are in the condition they would be when you get them home are the condition that, that, that you're taking them. So there, there really isn't any, any liability for, for food-based pathogens or spoilage or anything like that. It's just basically reducing their, uh, their cost in terms of disposal. Yeah, um, you know, I think leftovers you know, the beauty about leftovers is it does multiple things. We can reduce tipping fees um, for vendors because they're not tossing the stuff into the landfill or into compost. Mm-hmm. Um, we work with our both our volunteers and our vendors to make sure that, you know, if you're not going to take that home, we're not going to bring it to a vulnerable tummy. So, you know, you have to be the judge here of what you want to donate because our volunteers aren't going to take anything that they wouldn't take home themselves. So we have to have that mentality and that's that's a moral dignified mentality. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're not going to take it home, then don't give it to someone who has a weakened immune system, who um, is, you know, from a vulnerable, in a vulnerable state. Um, and so we make sure that our vendors are aware of what we do. A lot of the time, too, we ask them for specific items. So um, we will take all spotted bananas. They are not marketable, but they are completely edible. Mm-hmm. And so we love that stuff. We can definitely take that stuff. Dairy that's you know a week to its expiry, 
I don't know if you can sell that for full price at a grocery store. Grocery stores are already marking that stuff down 30%. We can take that. But yeah, a jug, a jug of milk at the drop-in center isn't going to last a week. No, it's not it's, even going to last it, five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and we donate to a lot of schools as well that have breakfast programs mm-hmm. um, where they need that milk cereal to get their kids through the day. Um, there's been some really fun partnerships that we've had over the years. Um, right now we're partnering with a school in Forest Lawn and uh, we pick up um, excess spaghetti from the old spaghetti factory in Marlboro and we take that excess spaghetti to the school and on Tuesday they have pasta Tuesday so all the kids get a hot lunch every week which is um, something that you know five years ago I didn't think I'd be doing I thought I'd be (laughs) redirecting tons and tons of bread which we are doing but the food that we're getting is um, people are coming up with really innovative ways to use it Um, and I think that's you know I guess part of the part of what makes leftovers special. Um, I will go over some some statistics. So we right now are redirecting 4,000 pounds of food a week um, in Calgary and in Edmonton. So I think Edmonton is just starting to get its legs. Um, so I think they're doing about 1,000 pounds and then Calgary has that 3,000 pounds of food a week. It's likely more now. These are numbers from 2016 and we'll okay. kind of roll out our numbers in 2017 in about a month. Um, we have sort of that 200 volunteers and counting, 55 donors. I think we're now up to over 40 service agencies and we operate seven days a week. So 72 routes every single week, um, volunteers are, are driving around and bringing food from one place to the next. Um, I'm super grateful for this community that has um, banded together around food waste and food insecurity. And um, I'm really excited to see where leftovers can go from here. Well, it's amazing to think about the scale, because just from what, you're, what you've been telling me, I mean, coming in, I understood the basics of what leftovers did. And that's the level of understanding that most people are going to have is you, you take food that isn't going to be eaten here, you get it to people who need to eat over here. But then you consider how you're affecting the operating costs of the, uh, of the donor, donor companies, as well as the receiver companies. So you're affecting both sides of it on an, ec- on an economic level. And then, like you said, everything that, uh, that goes into the green bins goes to the landfills is just pumping out methane. So you're taking 4,000 pounds per year of biodegradable waste out of those landfills. So in essence, you're also an environmental company. So you're, you're helping basically from, from the, the person on the street to the world in general. So it's, it's amazing the sort of scale and scope that this is, uh, has come to represent. Yeah, it's a fun little nonprofit because there's so much that you can do. Um, we are governed by a board of directors. I believe there's 10 of us now. And um, they all come from different backgrounds and everyone will kind of see leftovers in a different light. Mm-hmm. Um, which is sort of, you know, to speak to what you're saying, is, is really interesting because we have, you know, a restaurateur, we have a marketing person. So the restaurateur will go over, you know, best practices for restaurants and how we can talk to the restaurant community. I have a marketing guru who's the chair of my board and she, you know, can talk about how we get this message out to the public. What are the sound bites that everyday, um, you know, Calgarians need to hear every single day about Mm -hmm. food waste and about food insecurity. 
Um, I have a technology guru on my board and you know we're talking about how do we scale leftovers um, and build an app to do that. So I think that there's lots of opportunity with leftovers and the scalability of it. Um, this problem isn't going to go away soon, but if we chip, at, chip away at it um, every single day, it's going to make a dent. Well, and it's a, it's a company that could easily be in every city and should be in every city. Yeah, so, so that's kind of what we're working on now. You've got unlimited growth in front of you. Yeah, so to talk about next steps, that's sort of what we're looking at doing now is, you know, we've sort of tested out Edmonton as our pilot, and now we have a community liaison and culinary head up there that's going to take on operations in Edmonton. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, when I have these conversations with people that want to open up in different cities, I think because of the potential of leftovers, I think it's going to look different in every city. I think the redirection piece is, is really big in Calgary because that's what resonated with Calgarians. I think, you know, if we look at Montreal or Toronto or opening up in those cities, it might look a little different. It might look like we're taking the food and repurposing it. It might look like we're taking the food and holding cooking classes and teaching marginalized populations how to cook. Um, you know, it, I think it can take a different form, but the basics of it are the same. We need to redirect, repurpose, advocate, and, and work on, on policy at all in every city. Um, but I, I think it will take a different shape um, wherever we go. But, I, but I, think that's the, I think that's the fun of it. We don't want, you know, a copycat leftovers in every city. We want the people in that city and the communities to really... Um, you know, get behind this idea and run with it. And whatever that looks like to them is, is really great for us. Well, Canada is so geographically vast that we have incredibly different cultures in Calgary and Vancouver Absolutely. and out on the, uh, on the East Coast. Mm-hmm. So people are going to look at it in completely different ways. Mm-hmm. But once they've figured out what works for them, I'm sure leftovers in every city is going to be talking to each other and the amount of ideas that never would have occurred to you are, are just going to be flying back and forth. Yeah. So I think it's a really exciting time. It is. It's going to be. It is now. And um, I, I think that the potential and the opportunity for leftovers is what keeps you know, me going and my board and my team. We're all volunteers, um, which is, is pretty incredible because... Um, I've been doing this for five years and many people on my executive team have been with me for those five years. And so we don't have a lot of turnover. They believe in this cause and we really want to see this um, develop into something and and we want to to spread that word across Canada and across um, wherever we can. So let's give some some shout outs to some of your sure. daughters. I, you mentioned Cobb's Bread. Yes. Uh, I used to live a couple of blocks from the Cobb's Bread. <laughs> and if you have ever had anything from Cobb's Bread, you would be absolutely amazed that they have anything left at the end of the I day. Know, just the smell really draws <laughs> you in, right? <laughs> and I was checking the, uh, the old numbers on your website. And at the time they were posting, Cobb's Bread has done something like 16 tons of donations in the last five years. Yeah, so that needs to be updated, and I know we need to get better at doing that, but certainly they do about... Cobb's Bread is a, it's a really great franchise. I can't, I can't speak, um, you know, they, they've done just such a great job with 
their operations, their franchise, their owners, the people that work there, they understand consumers mm -hmm. and they understand waste. And so from a consumer perspective, consumers, we will always pick from a full shelf of bread. And so what COPS does is they overbake in the morning. So that might seem bad, but with their end of day giving program, um, it's not because charities get that bread at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. So COPS is, has been a really great partner for us. We've been fairly lucky with local partners as well. I think Aviv from Sidewalk Citizen, he sits on our board and he was one of our uh, one of our very first partners, um, one of our, our, our very first local partner. Um, and he does, you know, not cops bread 200 pounds a night, <laughs> but he does, you know, what he can. And, and he, in his kitchen, keeps it pretty trim. Um, but there is always that little bit of excess and that will always go to an agency. Um, there's some other really great donors like Blush Lane. Um, they donate a lot over the summer. I think I filled up my car before and had to call for reinforcements. Um, it's a good problem to have. It is, yeah. It, it can be, you know, anywhere between three and 500 pounds in the summer months. And that's just, you know, from their, from the Calgary Farmers Market. Um, Good Earth has come on board and they're trying to get each store and each franchise owner on board. I think we have three or four right now. It might be even more. Mm -hmm. um, but they donate scones, pastries, yogurts, fruit cups at the end of the day. Um, and this is all this is all coming from community. Um, people like Luke Strugmart, Phil and Sebastian, Olia Macaron and Tea. These are sort of recognizable names in the Calgary scene and they have been just such huge supporters, not only in the food that they donate, but just helping advise the organization as to you know what um, will work for them and what they can donate. Um, so it's been really it's been a good experience. Um, on the agency side, um, it's been really interesting to kind of see all of the different social agencies that work on um, problems in our city. Um, you know, there's everything from, um, we have seniors housing that we donate to, we have the drop-in center like I talked about, we have Cornerstone Youth, Woods Homes, we have a lot of women's shelter and, mm -hmm. and um, centers that, you know, have food programs and it just tops up their grocery list and it saves them a bunch of money where they don't have to be spending on that or they don't have to worry about that because they know they're going to be getting bread, dairy and a little bit of produce. Um, from these centers that provide so much. Um, so we've been really lucky to kind of work with, with everyone in our community and uh, I'm interested to see where Edmonton will go and uh, I know that they already have three or four people on board and they have um, three or four agencies on board, a slew of volunteers and uh, a really passionate um, group of executives that are gonna take it to the next level and I hope every city kind of looks like that. Well, if we have anybody out there listening who is in the food service industry, we kind of reached out to them with uh, with episode 18 about knifeware. Um, if there's anybody out there that has been listening to this and thinks, man, I should really uh, get my organization on board and, and get to helping this, where can they reach you? 
So we would love that. Um, the best thing to do is email help at rescuefood.ca. We sort of triage everything that uh, comes through that email. Mm -hmm. um, so if you are a service agency looking for food or a vendor wanting to donate or just a volunteer wanting to get more information, um, that's the best email, help at rescuefood.ca. And then our uh, website is rescuefood.ca. And there's videos right on the homepage that um, show you how to be a vendor, volunteer, and a service agency. Um, and it makes it really simple to kind of get on board um, our program. Great. And we will get links up for those uh, in the liner notes as well as around our social media. Perfect. Thank you so much. Well, thank you so much for taking the time and, uh, and coming back downtown on an evening to, uh, <laughs> to talk to us. Thanks, Liam. Everybody has a story to tell, and it is time to tell yours. Visit CapturingLegacies.com to get started. Really hope you enjoyed this episode of A Story Not Forgotten. If you did, please remember to give us a like, share us around your social media, and then head over to iTunes or the Google Play Store to subscribe so that you never miss a future episode. While you're there, we would really love it if you would give us a rating or a review. The more of those we have, the higher we'll appear in search results, allowing us to find more guests and bring more stories to more of you. If you have a story that you would like to have featured on the show, please head over to CapturingLegacies.com and click on the podcast tab to get a hold of us. And until next time, what's your story? <laughs>